Thank you, Brother Jeff. Appreciate that so much. And uh, just a reminder of what the men and women of our great armed forces are doing for us, not only abroad, but even here in the United States at, uh, at our southern border as we speak. Uh, let's remember them and remember them during this difficult time. Can I just ask a question? Uh, I, like, I like asking questions. I like seeing you, where you guys sit. Amen. Um, tell me, who, who likes traveling? Raise your hand if you like traveling. Keep it up so I can just take a peek. Who likes traveling? All right, good. Who's more of a homebody? If you're a homebody, <laughs> Kyle Word's like, I can't reach high enough. <laughs> Amen. Keep them up so I can see. Who's the homebodies? Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. Who's that back? Steph, all right? Amen. Good deal. So a good about a half and half mix. Uh, you know, a lot of people love to travel. I know Miss Joan has traveled a lot in her day. Uh, I know James and Wanda do a lot of traveling from time to time. Uh, they'll, go, they'll spend a month uh, gone. We won't get to see them for a little while. We know that they're off. Uh, I know that Glendal and Connie uh, sometimes gang up with uh, Anita Rose and, and Brother Jim and, and go and, and hit the open road. So some people love to travel. Some people are homebodies, but that's all good. Uh, I myself have visited about half of the states in America. Uh, I visited Mexico, I visited Guatemala, I uh, visited Jamaica and Bahamas and some of the other Caribbean uh, islands. But uh, many of us like to travel. Uh, we like, we enjoy going from place to place and seeing all the sights. Um, many of you enjoy weekend getaways and then sometimes month-long getaways. Uh, traveling is something that I look forward to. I, I think Janet is more of a homebody, but I'm looking forward to one day us being able to, to get up together and, and just go travel from time to time uh, all over the world, uh, if the Lord permits. Amen. Uh, today, the Bible is giving us uh, the testimony of a traveling man, uh, some tips, if you will, from a traveling man. The Apostle Paul was perhaps the greatest traveler that ever served the Lord. You see, as Paul journeyed from place to place, Paul didn't go as a tourist. Although the cities that Paul traveled to contained some of the most spectacular wonders of the ancient world, Paul didn't travel to go get a t-shirt, amen. He didn't go to fill his scrapbook full of pictures, no, he went for something far greater. Paul's plans and his purposes in traveling were far greater than earthly things. He traveled from place to place, not as a sightseer. Paul traveled from place to place as a soul winner. In our verses today, we're going to see some insights that we can learn that will help us to travel through this Christian life in an effective way. If you would, turn with me to Romans chapter 15. It's on page 1011 uh, in the Bibles in front of you. And in Romans chapter 15, I'm going to begin reading in verse 22. In verse 22, Paul writes to the Roman church, the Roman believers, and he says, For this reason... I also have been much hindered from coming to you. 
But now, no longer having place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come see you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now, I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed that they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by the way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Paul was a traveler. He was a godly traveler. And the Bible says that you ought to be a traveler. In fact, the Bible says that all believers are pilgrims while on this earth. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts that have war against your soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that they may by your good works which they observe glorify God. You see, like Paul, wherever you travel on earth, we're called to make it count for God. Did y'all hear me? Wherever you go, wherever you travel to, if you go to another place to visit family, make it count for God. If you go and hit the open road on your motorcycle, KJ, make it count for God. Wherever you go, Whatever you do, you can make it count for God. So let's see how Paul did it. Paul provided a great example. And first, let's take a look at Paul's plans for traveling. Now, if you'll take the time to read the book of Acts, you'll quickly see that Paul was great about making good plans. But not only did he make good plans, he focused on carrying out those plans for the glory of God. So let's see what Paul's plans can teach us about our plans for traveling. First of all, we see that Paul's plans were very precise. Notice in verse 23, Paul wrote, But now no longer having place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come see you. He says he no longer has a place in these parts. Now, what you need to understand about that is, is they haven't run him off, right? They haven't made him go away. He's not saying that the work's all done. He's not saying that all the people there are saved where he was ministering. All he's saying is, is that he has finished his assignment. You see, we talked about last week that Paul's assignment, if you will, was to go and lay foundations, he would go and lay foundations for churches. Uh, notice there in verse 20, 
He said, and so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I build on another man's foundation. And then when he wrote to the Corinthians, he said this, for there is no other foundation that anyone can lay other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Paul was a foundation layer. And so he really sets a great example for us here. Many people just don't have any plans. Many people don't have any plans for their lives at all. They live day to day, just come what may, and they have no goals, and some people just have no plans for the future. But I say this. I say that we ought to seek the plans that God has for our lives. That not only should we seek the plans, but that we should also focus on carrying out those God-ordained plans in our life. So let me ask you this question. Have you made any plans for your future? Do you have any dreams about what your tomorrow might hold? Is there anything you want to accomplish before you kick? Can I tell you, you ought to make goals. You ought to make plans. But make sure that you're making godly plans for the future. Paul's plans were very precise. He took a little time to make plans and to set forth goals. But then Paul's plans were also a little bit perplexing. Notice in verse 22 what he said, For this reason I've also come with and been much hindered from coming to you. Paul tells these Roman believers, he's, he says, Man, I've been trying to come see you, but every time I come see you, try to come see you, Something hinders me. Now you need to know what that word hindered means. That word hindered means to be cut into. So every time, every which way that Paul turned, something cut into his path and deterred him from coming to Rome. In Romans 1.13, he said, I often planned to come to you, but I was hindered until now. He wrote to the Thessalonian believers and said, We wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us. He wrote in the book of Acts that he was hindered by the Holy Spirit of God. Actually forbidden to preach by the Holy Spirit in Asia. He wrote to those Galatian believers and asked, Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You see, the Galatian believers were being hindered in their faith, guess what, by other people. Y'all hear that? See, y'all getting my drift, right? A lot of different people hinder God's plans for our life. Cut into it. Try to deter us. Try to get us to take that, that fork off of our path. And whenever we get off God's path, where do we end up? Anybody know? That's that south. If I, get, if I get off the road, where do I go? In the, ditch. in the ditch. Don't go off in the ditch. 
But it also reminds us of this. Even the best made plans in life sometimes get messed up. Sometimes our plans get hindered. They get, they get messed up. Just because you make plans to serve the Lord does not guarantee you that the devil's going to cooperate. Just because you make godly plans is no guarantee that other people won't oppose your plans. Just because you make plans in the Lord doesn't mean that circumstances in life ain't going to stand in your way to hinder you. You may even find that it seems like the Lord himself is fighting against your plans to follow him. But I want to encourage you today that if you are sure that you are following God-honoring, God-ordained plans, I want you to stick to them. Stick to those God-ordained plans. Be sure to just watch him work it all out because he will. He'll work it all out regardless of of the hindrances, regardless of the wrenches that people try to uh, throw into his work. You see, eventually, Paul made it to Rome. He just got hindered a lot on the way. So Paul's plans were very precise, a little bit perplexing, but Paul's plans were also pursued. Look at verse 24. Whenever I journey to Spain... I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you at first, if at first, I may enjoy your company for a while. You see, Paul knew. He had absolute confidence that one day God's God-ordained plans were going to work out. He knows he's hindered a little bit now, but he doesn't get all tore up when things don't go his way. He knows that God is in control. He just yields to the way that the Lord is working in his life now, even if it's going counter to his plans. He just trusts God. I'm following God-ordained plans, and I'm going to trust him to work it all out. Man, there's a great lesson here for you and I. A great lesson here. You see, there's a vast difference between immediate plans and ultimate plans. A big difference between those two, immediate plans are those things that we plan to do now or in the very near future. The ultimate plan is what God's doing in the meantime while his plan is unfolding. So when your immediate plans get disrupted, man, don't get tore up. Don't get all excited. God may have intervened for his own reasons. Paul's immediate plan, basically, was to go to Rome. But his plans were repeatedly hindered. But that never changed his ultimate plan. Because no matter where Paul was, no matter what Paul was doing, God was using him for his ultimate plan. Paul's ultimate plan was to tell people about Jesus no matter where he was. Can I tell you, that's God's ultimate plan for you too. So while you're waiting for this plan to unfold, you just make sure you keep telling people about Jesus. 
In doing so, you'll be unfolding God's ultimate plan. Here's another lesson. Your plans may get hindered. It may get hindered by circumstances. may get hindered by Satan. may get hindered by those other people. may get hindered by God. Maybe a closed door by God. But we must not get defeated, and we must not get disappointed. We just got to keep on keeping on doing what God's called us to do. You see, God works things out. How many of you know that? God works things out, but in his time. Amen? God works things out. How many of you know that? But in his way. Amen? And so it's not up to God to change according to what I want. It's up to me to change according to what he wants. According to his time and his way. Instead of freaking out, when your plan gets hindered, why not just learn that you can make plans any way you want to? But ultimately, our lives are controlled by the master planner. Amen? He is the one who plans our steps. He's the one who decide, decides what does and does not happen in our lives. He's the one who decides. So why not do it all his way and not fret because the door got closed? Let's not fret because plans change. That's okay. God's probably sparing me from something, amen? So it's important, friend, that we recognize what Paul's plans in traveling were. But I also want to point out to you this morning God's, or Paul's purposes for traveling. See, he told these Romans that, that before he could come and visit with them, that he must go and travel to Jerusalem first. He must take this special offering for the very poor believers that were there at the church in Jerusalem. So in doing that, we recognize that Paul's purpose for traveling sometimes can be just to share a little bit of God's grace. You see, as a child of God, you are then the conduit, you are the avenue, the, the boulevard, if you will, where God might share his grace to other people through you. Paul says he's traveling to Jerusalem to minister to the poor. Let's read that there in verse 25. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. You see, every one of you here, every one of us here are ministers. Did you know that? We're all ministers, called to minister to other people. He says he's traveling there to minister to the poor. He wants to be a blessing to the believers, the poor believers that were there in Jerusalem. Why would he want to be a blessing to people at that church? Well, you have to remember back to when Paul became a Christian on that Damascus road, and you have to remember who it was that sowed into his life and, and taught him and loved on him and cared for him, even though he was the one responsible for persecuting the church. And Paul remembered them. Paul remembered those uh, Jerusalem believers. They, he remembered, you know what? The Lord saved me through this church. He remembered that the, the church's work here greatly influenced me. And so Paul felt a great obligation to these Jerusalem believers. Boy, what another lesson for us. Think about this. Have you thanked those who were influential in you coming to Christ? Maybe it's been many years ago. 
Maybe you need to look them up. Amen? Give them a holler if you can. And maybe if they're gone, maybe they have a spouse or, or a child that you could look up and just say, I just want to thank you. God used your daddy to bring me to Christ. Do you know how much that'll make their day? It'd be spectacular. That's what Paul was doing. We need to thank people for praying for us. How about thanking mom and dad every now and then for praying for us? We need to be thanking them for telling us about Christ, for loving on us, for, for giving. People of the church giving so that you can hear the gospel. Untold thousands of dollars have been given so you could come to Christ. And you don't even know nothing about it. I didn't know anything about it. Have you thanked those people who really cared about you? I say, why not bless those? Bless those who have ministered to us and just say, thank you. Thank you. Share a little bit of grace, amen, a little bit of God's grace. But I believe that, that Paul's purpose for traveling can also be forgiving. Look in verse 26. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. You see, these believers in Jerusalem, friend, they were suffering terribly. I'm talking about famine, no food, suffering terribly. And this verse tells us that these new baby Christians where Paul was ministering, they heard about that, they heard about their plight, and they took up this offering. They took up this offering for these struggling Christians in Jerusalem. Now, it's one thing for a very prosperous church to gather up a love offering and give it to a poor church, right? Or to gather up a love offering and give it to people in need. Uh, we do that all the time. But I want you to imagine if the tables were turned. Imagine this for a moment. How would you feel if the poverty-stricken Christians in Africa who barely have food to eat, those Christians down in South America who walk three miles each way to church on Sunday, took up an offering so that they could provide something for us? How would you feel? Well, that, in essence, is what was happening here. Because these churches in Macedonia and Achaia, they didn't have nothing. They were poverty-stricken themselves. But yet the Lord had impressed upon them to take up this special offering for these other poor brothers and sisters who were in Jerusalem. Friend, do you know that most of the Christian world worships in abject poverty? They don't have padded pews to sit on when they come to church. They don't have air conditioning when they come to church. They don't have a choice of which vehicle they're going to have to drive when they come to church. They don't have nothing. And yet worship God they always do. Now you may think I'm crazy more than usual. But I believe that God wants us to be more active in our giving to missions. This is right about budget time, amen, Miss Francis? I believe that God wants us to be more active 
in our giving to missions because I believe that God wants more people to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. These new baby Christians, all they wanted to do was be a part of what God was doing. Do you want to be a part of what God is doing all over the world? They wanted to be a blessing to those poor believers in Jerusalem. You see, some of them couldn't preach. Some of them couldn't teach. A lot of them couldn't sing just like me. Amen? They never, many of them never traveled far because they were homebodies like half of y'all are. Amen? They never traveled far from their place of birth. But there was one thing they could do. Give. They could give. You see, giving is a godly activity. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul wrote to those believers and he said, Be imitators of God as dear children. God is the master giver, amen? For God so loved the world, what did he do? He... The imitators of God as dear children. See, anytime you give with the proper motives of, of generosity and the proper motives of obedience to God, you're imitating your Father in heaven. And can I tell you, when you imitate your Father in heaven, He smiles. That really pleases Him. So I think this, I think that we ought to get really excited when it comes to offering time, amen? Now y'all don't know this, but I just earned a whole lot of points with our treasurer, Miss Francis. What a blessing it is to give, to give so more people can hear about how they can go to heaven. So the purpose for traveling can be to, to share God's grace and certainly to be a giver. But the purpose of traveling can also be for gratitude. Look in verse 27. It pleased them indeed and they are their debtors for if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. The Gentile believers gave of their material blessings. Why? Because those poor Jerusalem believers had sowed into their life great spiritual things. And so you find a great spiritual principle here at work. And the spiritual principle is this. Now listen, and some people don't like this spiritual principle, by the way. But here's the principle. If you have received a spiritual blessing from a ministry, then you owe that ministry a material blessing. Y'all get that? Did y'all like that? We all like that one, right? It's true in the local church where we together are spiritually strengthened, where we're taught the word of God, where our lives can be better, and where we can be more effective for the glory of God. And as a result, every one of us have this duty to render what's necessary to accomplish God's mission in this church. We all have the same responsibility. The idea is this. The moment you hear the gospel good news of Jesus Christ, 
we become a debtor. The moment you have received a spiritual blessing, you become a debtor. First and foremost, you're indebted to God. You're indebted to Him who made it all possible. And how do we do it? We, we owe Him our faith. We owe Him our trust and our love. But we're also indebted to the body of Christ because it's them that God used to share the good news. So we owe a material debt. Because we receive such a great spiritual blessing. So we've seen Paul's plan for traveling and we've seen Paul's purpose for traveling. And before we go home, I just want to show you what Paul's power for traveling was. You see, I mentioned last week that Paul traveled mostly by foot and on boat. However, the real power was not a propeller. The real power was not wind in his sails. The real power was not in his Nike tennis shoes. The real power was spiritual in nature. What was that power that drove Paul to continuously and faithfully do the work God had called him to do? Well, first of all, Paul was driven by a very powerful mission. Look in verse 28. He said, therefore, when I have performed this and, been se and sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. Did you notice that Paul has mentioned Spain twice in this passage? What is the big deal about Spain? It seems like Paul is obsessed with Spain. Why? Two reasons. One, you may not know, Spain in Paul's day was the intellectual center of the Roman Empire. And two, Spain represented the furthest point of the Roman Empire. And so, to Paul, Spain was the uttermost parts of the earth. And he wanted to go there to make sure the gospel got preached there. He was obsessed with the mission of Jesus Christ. He was obsessed with people hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, and he wanted to preach that gospel wherever it had not been preached. He wanted those brilliant minds in Spain to hear the good news, to be converted to Christ, and then to become instruments to further spread the gospel of Jesus. If you're listening, say amen. Can you imagine for a second what God might do if you had the same fire that burned in Paul's soul? Can I fathom what God might do through me if I had the same fire that Paul had for the lost The truth of the matter is, we ain't got no fire. Many of us might have a spark. Some of us might have a glowing ember down deep. But we don't have that burning drive. I pray that we become overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, y'all, with the idea that people are perishing day in and day out. If we're honest, sometimes we live and act like we really don't care. 
I pray that we become so consumed with the good news of Jesus Christ that we become determined that everybody's going to hear about Jesus while I'm on this earth. You see, that's what this uh, 3151 challenge is all about. You're going to do your part to make sure that three people are being prayed for. Three lost people are being prayed for. You're going to do your part to learn one of these five ways that I've already shared with you about how to share the gospel in a very simple and conversational way. You're going to do your part to invite five people, five people, y'all, to church or to your life group. And ultimately, you're going to take this challenge that sometime in the next 12 months, there's going to be a lost soul who's going to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and it's going to come from your mouth. That's a high and holy challenge right there, friend. I pray we become so consumed that everybody in our circle hears about Jesus and what he's done and what he can do for lost sinners. So Paul was driven by that incredibly powerful mission but finally, he was also driven by a very powerful motive. Look in verse 29. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, you know what? As I journey, as I preach, it ain't me. I know that Christ is with me. I know that it's Jesus doing it through this old, raunchy life. He understands that wherever he travels, the presence of the Lord is going to go with him to help him. And the presence of the Lord is going to go with him to empower him to do the Lord's will. And Jesus instructs us as disciples in Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world. Say all the world. Go into all the world, he says, and preach the gospel to every creature. I didn't say it. Your Lord Jesus said it. He's called every one of us to carry his message to the whole world. And I don't know about you, but that's a little bit scary. That's a little overwhelming. But when the Lord said go, he also gave us some good news. He said, you go and I'm going with you. You go, and I'm going with you. He said, all authority has been given to me on earth and in heaven. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I'm going with you. Lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Don't know about you, but all of a sudden it ain't so scary no more. I ain't near as overwhelmed no more because it ain't about me. It's about he who's going with me. So my fe fellow Bethelonians, what does your pilgrimage on this earth say about you? Does your pilgrimage on this earth say, Man, she was a daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does your pilgrimage say 
He was a son of the Most High God, and he lived like it in front of other people. What does your pilgrimage say about you? What does your pilgrimage say about your love for Jesus? What does your pilgrimage say about your burden for lost people? If we're honest, that last one stings. Because many don't have any burden for lost people. They don't have any burden for children in other countries that may never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ unless you give God the control to use your life as he chooses. Paul was a man who traveled. But everywhere he traveled, he was working for the master. I'm sure there were lots of times that he enjoyed it. I bet there was times he got to see mountains, Miss Jones. Beautiful sunrises and sunsets. He got to see all kinds of sights, but that's not why he went. As Paul traveled, he was working for the master, and he was seeking to bring lost people to Jesus. That calling that Paul accepted is the same calling that God offers you this morning. Here's what he says. Jesus says to you, I got a plan for you. It's time for you to get to it. Jesus says to you, I got a path for you. It's time for you to get on it. Jesus says to you, I got a place for you. It's time for you to get in it. Tips from a traveling man. Sweetie? We sure, she says. Sure. We look forward to the day where we can travel. And I'm going to share with you in the next couple an opportunity that every one of you are going to have to be a Paul. The Marriage Life Group already got a heads up on this. and They've all committed that they're praying about it. So I'm going to ask you, without you knowing a clue about what Bill's saying now, I'm going to ask you to raise about this mission opportunity that's coming up for Bethel Baptist Church. Amen. Everybody in the house, please do. Please do pray. Because we aren't, we're not doing anything unless God's directing it. We're not doing anything unless God's taking us there, okay? But it's exciting. And it's a way where we here at Bethel can make an incredible difference for the glory of God. This morning, God has made an incredible difference in you. The question is, will you allow him to make that difference in your life? Maybe you realize, I don't know where to begin. I don't even have a relationship with God. I've never placed my faith in Jesus Christ. Man, if I die today, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or not. You can put a period at the end of that sentence today and have the absolute confidence that you will.
if you'll just come. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for your love for us, your compassion for us, and I thank you for your son for, that was given for us. And Lord, I pray for this mission opportunity that we are praying about. Lord, you know the details. We just are coming to you asking for you to iron out the plan. And Lord, once you reveal the plan, we're going to follow it. We're going to stick to it. Yeah, there's going to be hindrances. There may be financial hindrances. There may be satanic hindrances. There may be other people hindrances. There may be personal hindrances. But we're going to follow you wherever you lead. Lord, for that person that's here this morning that doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray that they would follow your lead because I know that you're leading them into a relationship with you that comes only through Jesus Christ. So, Father, have your will and your way in their life today. And, Lord, if you're directing them to come and accept the Lord Jesus into their life, to take control of their life, Lord, I pray that you give them the courage to step up, to step out, to step forward, and to give their lives to Christ. Lord, let it all be for your glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing. Jesus paid it all. Let's stand. Let's sing.